0: You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 119.
1: I will stick with the devil I know. Thank you very much. Now, one of the things that happens is what I know may be misery and failure and defeat, and what I don't know may be success and happiness and my wildest dreams coming true. So when what's familiar, we'll choose a familiar misery over a foreign happiness every time, right? Because there's something inherently dangerous about that, which is foreign. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential.
0: Hello, Star Coaches, and welcome to another episode of our show. As always, it is a pleasure and an honor that you have spent part of your week with us, and I certainly mean to make it worth your while. So as always, we are in a place of exploring different tools and resources and strategies that you can use in your coaching to strengthen your skills, to look at what you might do to define or differentiate yourself or or create a stronger business. And in today's episode, we're going to do a dive into how we can help our clients overcome self-sabotage. Now, the other side of that is, I don't know of a person that I have met in my lifetime, coach or non-coach. That doesn't have some self-sabotage going on, some negative self-talk or barrier that we put in our own way. So therefore, this is not just an episode to be helpful tools and strategies we might use with our clients to overcome self-sabotage. We might just want to apply some of these to ourselves as well. My guest today is Mike Bundren. He is a former psychotherapist, And he is the co-founder of the INLP Center, which offers NLP certification and life coach training to students in over 70 countries worldwide. Now, for those of you who are saying NLP, what's NLP? NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And we're going to spend a little time at the beginning of our interview talking about how we can use NLP practices and strategies in our coaching to take our clients deeper, to help them deal with the way that they are thinking about things, the way that they are allowing their thoughts to influence their practices. Now, Mike is also the author of the book, You're a Kelly's Eel, the hidden cause of self-sabotage. And that's definitely what we do a dive into today. So let's go ahead and go to our interview with Mike Bundrit. Mike, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am thrilled to have you here with us.
1: Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Meg.
0: Absolutely. So we had this great pre-interview talk about these things that we have in common and all this information we want to bring to the audience. But let's start with helping people know kind of who Mike is. So can you share a little bit about your connection to the world of coaching?
1: Sure. My wife, Hope, and I co-founded the INLP Center, which is a coach training institute, ICF-accredited coach training institute. And we founded that in 2011, and we train people who want to become coaches. And we also offer NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming certification, for people who want that. A lot of people are already certified as coaches that they want to add NLP training. So our business has grown tremendously since 2011.
0: Well, congratulations we for that.
1: Yes, the coaching. It's so exciting because the coaching industry is just exploding, right? It's just becoming mainstream, and it's just been really great to be a part of that. Um, my background, going way back, is in mental health. So, uh, out of college, I was a mental health counselor for roughly 10 years, and. You know, there's a whole story there about the mental health system and why I left, and so forth. Uh, but I left the mental health system to to become a coach, and sort of my career has largely been training NLP, training life coaches, and I've always kept a small private coaching practice uh, of my own as well.
0: Excellent. So another thing we have in common, some of our regular listeners know that I also have a background of being a therapist for over 20 years before I transitioned into coaching. So I probably have a bit of a suspicion about some of the, some of the reasons why you transitioned. But while we're going to talk today about self-sabotage and the way that we can put barriers in our own way, I am curious if you could just talk for a second about what coaches would gain from doing an NLP addition to their, because I think it brings a lot of depth and and additional tools. And so for anybody who's like hearing NLP for the first time and maybe doesn't understand, well, why would a coach want to get some NLP? What are some of of the things that NLP brings?
1: Well, I can tell you based on feedback, because we survey and interview everyone who comes to enroll at the INLP Center, the number one reason coaches seek NLP training is because they've understood that NLP has a lot of practical, applicable tools. And what it does when you understand NLP and you have this this toolbox, it sort of it's like it turns the coaching session from something that feels like a conversation to something that feels like applying some very, very specific protocols to what's going on. And so, if you have, if somebody mentions that, you know, one of the things that gets in their way is they get discouraged and unmotivated, what NLP would, and that's an obstacle, right? So, what NLP might do is just begin to deconstruct that discouragement or lack of motivation into, what is that state made of? What are you seeing in your mind's eye? What are you hearing? Or what are you saying to yourself? And what are you Mm -hmm. feeling? And how are you literally creating that experience based on the qualities of what you see, hear and feel on the inside? And then a whole new world opens up in terms of restructuring our inner experience. And so it's not just what we see, it's how we see it. If I have a quick example, if I have, if I say I have this big problem that I can't solve, and you ask me, go inside your mind and tell me about what image do you see that represents this big problem. The the image is going to be big. It's going to be a very large image in my mind. And a lot of times we don't realize that our language literally describes what's happening on the inside. So it's like me saying, I have a very, very large, blown-up image of a problem in my mind, and it's overwhelming to me. Well, with NLP, we know that we can look at that image and actually shrink shrink it down, right? Mm -hmm. No problem. Now the image is smaller, and now I'm looking at the problem going, I still have a problem, but it's not this big problem that's overwhelming me, making me feel sick. So we literally can alter our experience on the inside with specific protocols, And it really gets, it opens up and reveals what's really going on inside and helps us figure out how to change it specifically.
0: So for coaches, that would give some specific tools that you can use with your clients to change perspective, to look through a different lens, to approach issues from a place of empowerment. So NLP is just, a really powerful tool and while it's not going to be what we jump into today I did want people right. to explore or at least hear a little bit about what what that's all about so that if they want to explore more and Mike's already agreed to come back and we'll do a show around NLP but in just to kind of soften any curiosity that might be out there I wanted to to do a little bit of exploration in that but you what bet. we did decide and certainly very much coincides with NLP is self-sabotage. And when we ourselves are sabotaging, whether we're trying to grow our business, whether we're trying to learn the skill of coaching, whether we just have an obstacle in front of us, we can certainly self-sabotage ourselves. And then we're certainly going to work with clients who are in that place of self-sabotage, that have a lot of self-talk going on, that are undermining how they get to their goals. So Mike and I thought, you know what, let's talk about that. Let's talk about ways that we as coaches can kind of help our clients when they're dealing with this. And it was kind of fun to to pick from all the different things we could choose and and. And that's where we started going back and forth and decided to start. So when, I, when we talk about self-sabotage, what are some of the key principles that you want people to think about, Mike?
1: Well, there's a couple. One, it really is we are getting in our own way. And that is independent from what anyone else might be doing. And I'm not going to be the one to say that other people aren't difficult. other people can be difficult, but ultimately, if I'm self-sabotaging it's it's that. I am doing something on the inside or the outside to myself and I need only be concerned with figuring that out. The other principle is that it's really helpful to think about it in terms of what's going on that I'm aware of consciously and what must be going on that I'm unaware of or unconsciously. because when I say, look, I have this goal. I want to start my business, but I'm just, I don't know, when it comes time to take action and I'm just not doing anything and so on and so forth. And there's really no reasonable you know, explanation for it other than I just don't do it. Then something's going on within me that I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. And we cannot do anything about that of which we're unaware, right? If it's I can't make a conscious choice about something that lies outside of my conscious awareness. So I've got to begin to consider that something that I've never thought about before must be true here, must be, must be going on. Right. And so when you open yourself up to that, then my research, and I got very interested in this a few years ago, wrote, wrote a book, uh, a short sort of book about this thread in psychology that goes all the way back to Freud that's been sort of what I thought sort of largely ignored and it was this this idea that we end up seeking the familiar even when it's painful one of freud's co- colleagues called it psychic masochism as if we are masochistically seeking out the same painful thing over and over again and sort of doing that to ourselves on the inside and so on and so forth and because uh, it's familiar,
0: and familiar feels better than the the scariness of change. Potentially, potentially, even if that's a story we're telling ourselves.
1: That's right. Uh, I will stick with the devil I know. Thank you very much. Now, one of the things that happens is what I know may be misery and failure and defeat, and what I don't know may be success and happiness and you know m- my wildest dreams coming true. So when What's familiar, we'll choose a familiar misery over a foreign happiness every time, right? Because there's something, something inherently dangerous about that, which is foreign. So, so
0: how, as coaches, can we help our clients tune into that phenomena?
1: We help them realize that there is a different goal that they have that they're actually unconsciously seeking. So let's say that, and and it's a little weird, especially in coaching, which tends to be very, very positive, right? Mm -hmm. To suggest that you might be seeking out something negative is almost like a taboo. None of us wants to say that because we're positive, positive. But to me, this message is really positive because when something negative is going on and we can get our mind around it, it, we can we can transform it. So when people, when we realize that some part of us that we're not aware of, or maybe just dismissing or wishing would go away, right?
0: Yeah, that that whole hope thing. Maybe right. I just wish, wish really hard and it'll just go away.
1: Exactly, right? When we allow that, that part of us has a very different goal. So I want to say, connect with people throughout the day and be happy and feel comfortable with people. But some part of me is terrified of that or is convinced I'm going to be rejected. And, and in fact, that rejection or isolation or a sort of social awkwardness is what's familiar. It may be what I felt for a long, long, long time. And the idea of being empowered and connected and outgoing may seem very foreign to me. I might not know how to handle myself in those situations, right? I
0: might actually even think that I'm going to look sillier or less, I'm going to be less comfortable. I, you know, this, this discomfort I'm feeling right now is all that I can handle. If I try anything else, it's going to be worse. We can really awfulize about it.
1: We can, and that awfulizing is justifying staying stuck in that rut. And so some part of us is trying to convince us very successfully most of the time, right? To stay in the pain. And so when we get our minds around that, which with clients requires a little bit of an educational piece, clients real end up realizing some part of me has a goal to re-experience that same old rejection again and again and again. And if I really... And I would have clients sort of like recount their day and find and count the ways, catch themselves reaching that unconscious goal all day. So it's like, okay, I get up, I go to work, I walk through the lobby and so-and-so walks by and he doesn't say hi. And I think, ah, oh, he hates me. I knew it. I just, you know.
0: That and, mind reading is so powerful. Yeah, I just knew he right? didn't like me. Doesn't right? have anything to do with anything about him. It's about That's me. Right.
1: Yeah, That's right. And so that part of me interpreting His behavior as rejection. It's like I just got my goal. I just felt rejected. Or you know, I go, I text someone, they don't text me back right away. It's like, of course, you know, I'm I'm just an idiot and I bug people and I'm inappropriate or what have you. And there, that voice is going off in my head again, just confirming and reconfirming the rejection. So I literally am going throughout the day, unconsciously interpreting a whole bunch of things that aren't really rejections as rejections, and so we. Ended up saying that we, at least according to one of the program, coaching programs that we have, we ended up realizing that we have this unconscious goal and it's negative, but we're driven to seek it out every day. And when I go through my day experiencing this rejection over and over and over again, Consciously I hate it but unconsciously in some way it's familiar and confirming it's like almost
0: you know, comforting in a in a unhealthy way yes
1: that's right in fact back in the days of Freud the little group of people that were into psychic masochism said that is we find pleasure in it unconscious pleasure which is not the pleasure where unconscious pleasure would be like familiarity and confirmation and
0: self-justification
1: right. and so forth but that we find some sort of pleasure in the pain. and Because we at
0: least know that to be true. Even if we're creating our own reality, we know it. that to be true.
1: That's it exactly. And we're committed to it unconsciously and consciously it's just horribly frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we're, we're so
0: sad and, and discouraged and and maybe right. avoiding social situations because everything reinforces that because that's the lens that we're choosing to look through at it.
1: Exactly. And then it's a, it's a self fulfilling and self perpetuating prophecy. <laughs> and we hate it and we set goals to do the opposite without really acknowledging and dealing with this very powerful part of us that has us on autopilot toward the rut over and over and over again.
0: So therefore, the way we could partner with our clients is to increase their awareness of this underlying pattern that yeah. we're perpetuating ourselves.
1: Exactly. So, and there's a couple ways to go about that. Once we're past the educational piece where it starts to not feel twisted to say we have an unconscious goal to feel rejected, right? It's like, right. I mean, that sounds just, Wrong. Well, yeah,
0: that's certainly not something you're going to want to tell somebody on your first uh, appointment with them if you want to keep your business. Yeah.
1: Exactly, right? So there's an educational piece where people start to go, wow, it actually makes sense in my life that some part of me has been seeking this familiar misery out over and over again because it's what I end up with all the time. Mm -hmm. It's why I invite all these people into my life that hurt me, or it's why I don't follow through on what I said I was going to do. I always end up in this place. And there's some part of me that wants to go there that thinks it's the only option that actually makes sense in my life. Right. And so then once we have that piece, then we can start to go, OK, now let's get really creative here and give a homework assignment like, OK, when you wake up in the morning, you're going to you know, do it, do what you do. And then you're going to sit down and go, OK, today I'm going kind to of be fully aware that I have an unconscious goal to whatever, feel rejection or feel mm-hmm. discouraged or feel empty or feel whatever it is that the pattern is. Mm-hmm. And today I'm not going to try to change it. I'm just going to try to catch myself reaching that goal. And I'm going to go, aha, there it is. I just did it. Right. Right. And it's usually such a deep pattern that it's surprising the number of times we catch ourselves doing it throughout. Right.
0: The- once, we, once we've once we stopped it from flying under the radar. So once we've just made a commitment that I'm going to look for it today, I'm going to pay attention to it today. And then I'm willing to bet that the very first time a client does that, they're only going to catch a portion of the time that they do it because it is automatic behavior.
1: It's automatic behavior, right? It's like programmed in there. It's like, who put in this faulty programming that just you know speeds me toward pain? Well, that's a larger conversation, but it's there, right? And right. we have so many ways of sort of denying it and fooling ourselves about it. And it's really kind of painful too. And so it's very painful, right? But a lot of people also experience it as a bit of a relief, right? Because it's like, oh my gosh, this finally makes sense. And it's actually a thing that happens with people and I'm not alone in it. And it's so absurd, right? When you think about it, it's like, I don't want to feel rejected, but you know, I just walk by so-and-so who looked preoccupied but I turned that into a rejection
0: rejection right
1: I don't want to feel rejected but I'm interpreting everything or what have you, right? Well,
0: But the other thing that you said, Mike, that I think is so powerful that I want the audience to hear is that when we can normalize something for our clients, when we can say, you're not the only one, this is actually a phenomena that happens. We're wired for negativity. It's just the way that we are structured. That doesn't mean that we have to stay in that place. But when we can say, you know, it's not just you weird mic. You know, and in fact this is something that ever even that can just be like, oh, not only am I not the only one, but there's there's something I can do about it.
1: That's right. I agree a hundred percent. That sort of normalizing process. I'm not alone in it. I will sometimes tell clients stories about myself. And it's like, you know, maybe a story about how I Had this one person in my life that I experienced disapproval from over and over and over again. And it was so frustrating. And I kept trying to find ways to get him to approve of me over years until I got into the self sabotage stuff. And I realized when you're seeking approval from someone who has never approved of you and never will, what are you really seeking? disapproval, right? Is there a milking the disapproval again and again? I'm going to go back and try another thing that won't work and feel bad. And when I realized that I just stopped, it was done. I made a 10 year pattern over in a moment. So sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it's a more deeply ingrained and it can take a few months for someone being, you know, catching it and becoming more aware. But the whole idea is that once The the pattern of sort of the seeking negativity, once it's, you have enough consciousness around it, you can begin to make choices about it. Consciously aware, now I can consciously choose.
0: Mm -hmm. If you
1: can't consciously choose, you can't control the behavior of the thought, then there's something you're unaware of. Got to find out what that is.
0: So this is something that we ourselves can tap into our own patterns, as well as helping our clients better understand what is it that I'm seeking. The other thing about your example, I'm willing to bet that it went from a place of what's wrong with me and why won't he approve of me to this. It's about this person. I mean, I don't have to own whether he approves or disapproves of me. I can separate from that. It's not about me because I'm choosing to make a, a different relationship choice.
1: That's right. It it really did come to a place where once I realized, I know what I'm going to get every time.
0: Yeah, this is not a surprise.
1: It's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be painful in the end. So I know I'm going to get that. Now, knowing I'm going to get that, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. When I realized it's like that was my mentality, I went, okay, no, I'm seeking more disapproval. Done, And then came the realization that, I have no control over him if he wants to disapprove of me. I, I literally don't even know why. I, I don't know what. And,
0: and maybe and, I never will.
1: Maybe and, I never will. Mm-hmm. But I know that I don't want to punish myself in this way mm-hmm. anymore. And, and, that, and that was enough.
0: <laughs> the other thing you said that was so powerful was the minute that you came to the place of saying, wait a minute, if I know I'm not going to get approval... And I've been actively seeking disapproval. That's sort of slap in the forehead. Yeah. Yeah. So, And those are awarenesses that we can help our clients explore through the inquiry, through exploring patterns, raising awareness, yeah. exploring yeah. how they learn about what we've explored together.
1: Yeah. In some cases, some education is needed about maybe the familiarity effect where Mm -hmm. what's familiar is pleasurable and worth seeking and what's unfamiliar is not. So that plus the idea that, you know, you aren't just punishing yourself for no reason, you have a part of you that's driven in this direction, and it's a really powerful part of you. And you don't know this part of you yet. And therefore, you have no influence over it. You're just along for the ride when it takes over. Mm -hmm. And so it's time to, again, bring all this into awareness where you can begin to have some conscious influence. And it's transformative stuff. People couldn't change for years and years and years begins to give way slowly, but surely.
0: So do you by any chance have another example that you might be able to share, obviously protecting people's identity, but of a transformation that occurred moving away from self-sabotage into understanding and increased awareness?
1: There's basically three categories of self-sabotage that we talk about in terms of the things that we unwittingly seek. And under those three, those three categories are rejection. So that social rejection I was talking about fall under that. Then there's um, uh, self-deprivation is kind of another category. And in that category, it's things like that we sort of, in a way, nurture an empty feeling inside, a sense of being unfulfilled. And one client that comes to mind in this category is someone, and I never knew what was going on with, with this issue, but it's really common. It's the issue of, I have no idea what I want. I have no idea what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm doing here. Life is meaningless. I sort of put that under kind of a self-deprivation category. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: what happens, and this may be a composite of a couple of different clients, is rather than stay with, well, let's think harder about what you want Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. If I think it's relevant, I'll introduce the idea that you may have a part of you that is that moves away from fulfillment because knowing what's important to you and knowing what you want and pursuing it is a is a path to fulfillment. And you may have a part of you that is much more comfortable feeling empty, sort of vacant on the inside, numb. And, now, when
0: you present that to people, Mike, what kinds of responses do you tend to get?
1: Well, I usually get, if someone hasn't read my book, and, and mm-hmm. honestly, what I will usually do when a client inquires is send them my a copy of my book and say mm-hmm. on self sabotage and say, read this. And if you see yourself in it, we could do some good work together. And oh, if, you good. Just, if you don't like it at all, then, then I um, might not be the coach for you. I might not be the coach for you. Mm-hmm. And so most of the people I talk to about have at least read the book and are interested. Right?
0: Okay. Well, and that's a key thing. People that's, are that's attracted true. to working with you because they understand sort of the niche that you work in and what you bring.
1: It's like a pre-screening. I want to get yeah. the right the right people, right? But almost without exception, people are surprised. But it's an intriguing idea that they can't, again, if they're the right client, that it's hard to let go. It's like, what do you mean by that? What? It, it's like an intrigue. It's not like ridiculous, right? It's like, what? No, 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 no. It's, it's like, I don't get it at all, and it worries me a little bit, but I'm intrigued. And I think the reason it's, in, it's intriguing to them, because on some level, they kind of know it's true, mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. It's so, triggering something inside of them that they think, this isn't, them. this isn't a bunch of malarkey. This, this kind of hits home.
1: That's right. So one woman in this category, her sort of way of depriving herself was to live more or less an isolated life. She didn't have a huge rejection thing. It was more of a kind of a a loner thing. And she really enjoyed being around people time and again when she was, but she couldn't get herself to do it. She would go home in the evening and sort of sit and feel empty uh, in her apartment. And when she realized that she was repeating this old pattern that she had learned that being a loner is the only safe way to go, that avoiding people is the only safe way to go. That if you go and you connect with people and you have a good time and so on and so forth, you're only going to get hurt. That's going to end badly. I mean, all of these lessons she learned Mm -hmm. over a period of time and some part of her went, that's it. Uh, we're, We're doing this thing alone and I don't care how miserable it is, right? So when she discovered that this part of her was kind of running her life, that's what that's what changed it. And she would end up having sort of conversations with this part of her going, I know you're concerned, right? I know you're worried I hear about your
0: it, fear, it, yeah. I hear mm-hmm. it,
1: right? And I want to let you know that I'm going to go to the office party tonight, right? Mm-hmm. I invite you to come along with me. She ended up having these kinds of conversations to talk herself through it.
0: Oh, so, powerful example.
1: Yeah.
0: You talked about three different buckets, the rejection, the rejection the depriving ourselves and what's the third?
1: Third one is is tricky but it's control. But it's not having to be in control. It's like an attachment to being controlled, really controlled, so controlled by other people or seeing life in such a way that it's controlling me. I sort of see myself as passive and that the power is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And that can manifest in all kinds of different things. Um, it can manifest in chronic worry. I'm always worried about something that's going to go wrong, right? And by that act of worrying puts me in that passive, I'm not in control kind of place, right? Things
0: don't happen for me. They happen for other people. Every, yeah, I'm just that sort of victim role that is very disempowering.
1: Exactly. And then there's sort of the control freak. People go, I'm a control freak. I have to control everything. Well, what I found in light of the control attachments, what we call it, is that control freaks are really out of control freaks. The control they try to take of the environment and other people and everything is because on the inside, deep down, they feel chaotic and out of control. So they're compensating for that. I mean, there's so many ways that we can see the world in such a way that we are passive and it's in control, as well as other people. A lot of the people who don't speak up for themselves or people who can't say no, can't draw boundaries, these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. They're basically saying, you control me.
0: Right. And I'm going to be miserable about it, but I'm going to let you go ahead and control me.
1: But at least I'm being controlled. And it sounds so weird, right? But so many people grew up being controlled, Right. right? Weren't given so the maybe thing.
0: they just don't trust. I mean, at, at a deeper level, do I even trust if I was in the driver's seat? What the heck would I do with it? So let me instead yeah. give away my power and then yeah. be unhappy about it,
1: right? Exactly. And so, with all of this, which brings up, and you mentioned a couple times, is really astute what, what happens in the process of spending 10, 20 years seeking out this negativity, whether it's rejection or or being controlled or being deprived, we miss out on a lot of competence building opportunities. Mm And so I spent 20 years avoiding people. My social skills actually may not be up to snuff, right? Right. So I may need to learn to add in those skills, right? And so that's a big help. I don't think it's necessarily the solution. I think people have all kinds of skills that they don't use because a part of them is seeking some something else that's negative. But yeah, you can spend a lot of time avoiding something and miss out on, on skills that you need to develop.
0: So once that awareness is gained, it opens up the door to possibilities of partnering with somebody to help them maybe fine-tune some skills that they had in themselves that they didn't know or learn some new things or test some new experiment with different things because they've sort of cleared the way to be able to do that.
1: Exactly. It's sort of like one of my favorite sayings is it's not a very life coachy saying, but it's actually an engineering maxim. It's that a well-defined problem seeks its own solution. So if you partner with a client and agreed that this self-sabotage is the right definition of the problem, in a in a really interesting way, all you really have to do is remain aware of it and you begin to sort things out. And then you're partnering, meeting with your client every week, sort of playing around with what to do with it next,
0: right? And new opportunities I will begin to open, which is yeah, so... Exciting and kind of why we do what we do and and helping people connect with their own resources and their own magnificence that maybe has been covered up by whatever that thought process is that was getting in the way.
1: Absolutely, people sort of blossom and they come and say, You know, I did something I've never done before. I told my husband that no, I was not going to do this and I needed this from him. It's like, Wow, you know, in 10 years that hasn't happened, right? And so it's just, it's great.
0: That is wonderful. Mike, I want to thank you for taking time in your day to help us explore the whole concept of self sabotage because to normalize it for everybody, It is something that happens. It's something that in many ways we're wired for. Yet when we can tune into that and become aware or help our clients become aware of that, then it opens up just so many new possibilities.
1: Sure does. Well, thanks for having me again. Great talking with you.
0: It was wonderful. Thank you. So there you are some solid tools to use with your clients and with yourself when you experience self sabotage in the coaching arena or in your own life and to, as we said to normalize that's something that we are all struggle with and having some solid tools can be helpful with that so I want to thank Mike Buundrant once again for coming and sharing those tools with us. If you'd like to know more about Mike, about the INLP Center, or about his book, go to starcoachshow.com on the resource page and you'll find information. Speaking of the Starcoat Show, I am currently working with two web designers to completely recreate the site. It is an exciting process. I am so pumped about what I'm going to be able to bring to you, the resources that are going to be available to you. I'm creating new things and just stay tuned. It is exciting. And in that vein, if you're enjoying the show, I would love a rate and review on iTunes because every rate and review brings more listeners to the show. Each week I'm hearing from people who are finding the show one way or another saying, oh my goodness, I wish I'd known more. Well, the higher our rating is in iTunes, the more audience will find us. And that has to do with your contribution as well through rates and reviews. So thank you. In addition, there's other ways for people to know about the show. If you're enjoying the show and you think a friend or a colleague or a family member would enjoy some message that we're sharing, please share the episode with them, introduce them to the show. I thank you so much. Now, next week, we're going to talk with Julie Davis Collin about the power of positive coaching. It is knock your socks off interview. So I'll look forward to seeing you then. And until then, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success.